This is the World War II Radio Podcast. A date which will live in infamy. This is London. We shall fight in the hills. We shall never surrender. Go ahead, Berlin. This is the National Broadcasting Company. Welcome to the World War II Radio Podcast. This week we have an episode of America Looks Abroad, hosted by foreign correspondent Robert Arden. It first aired May 16, 1941. This version of America Looks Abroad appears to be a different one than the NBC radio show that ran from 1939 to 1940. This version of the show, it appears, was a local one, airing over KFWB in Los Angeles in 1941 and 1942 under various names, and sponsored by a local dentist. The World War II Radio Podcast is a Brick Pickle Media production. If you like the show, please leave feedback on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. You can also support the show by clicking on the link in the show notes and offering your financial support. Your donations help us continue to produce the podcast, so thanks to those of you who have already donated. Thanks for listening and enjoy this week's episode of the World War II Radio Podcast. America Looks Abroad with your foreign correspondent, Robert Arden. Transcribed and presented each weeknight over these stations by the 12 Southern California offices of Dr. Cowan, the friendly credit dentist, whose main Los Angeles office is over the Owl Drug, Fifth and Broadway. And now, Robert Arden. Good evening. President Roosevelt, answering a direct question by White House correspondents, said, and I quote, The international situation is changing too rapidly from hour to hour and from day to day to allow to engage in a hypothetical discussion of what moves this government may find necessary to make. Now, in this terse statement, the president not only summed up the foreign situation as rapidly changing from hour to hour, but he also pointed out, inferentially, the great tragedy of the current situation, namely, that the initiative is entirely with the totalitarian Axis powers. It is one of the most widely discussed and certainly the most heatedly argued question what this country, what any other country, can do to meet the challenge by the totalitarian axis. Very frequently it is being proposed by one side or the other that the government of the United States either keep us out of war or enter the war without any further delay. But regardless of what course the individual favors, it seems almost hopelessly tragic to realize that only seldom, very seldom indeed, the basic truth is being given sufficient consideration. And that basic truth, inferentially mentioned in the President's statement, is simply this. The totalitarian axis is the force of ruthless aggression, while the democratic or anti-axis na nations are obviously on the defense. It is not up to us, the people of the United States, or our government of the people, elected by the people, for the people, nor, for that matter, is it up to any other non-Axis nation to determine whether to stay out of war or to enter into that current warfare. Totalitarian aggression, totalitarian expansion, totalitarian advance, those are the only determining factors. And those factors are overwhelmingly in favor of the totalitarian lineup. The totalitarian dictator, may it be the Führer, Ilduce, or Tovarish Premier, he alone decides what to do next. His word is an order that is being executed without delay. 
His word is law, and that law is supreme. Under the democratic form of government, the procedure, by virtue of its traditional broad and many-sided liberties, must be much slower. Lengthy discussions, pro and con, use up much of valuable time, and by the time a majority reaches a decision, the totalitarian axis has usually moved into a spot where it is beyond the reach of peaceful procedure. Poland, the Low Countries, Yugoslavia, and Greece are dramatically eloquent examples. There can be no doubt in anybody's mind today that nothing was further from the United States government intention than a possible occupation of or any other protective action against the French colony of Martinique, an island situated in the West Indies and thus within the Western Hemisphere. But now that the French government openly announced its cooperation with the Axis, such a move might become not only necessary but imperative for the security of our own shores. In Martinique, there are over 110 American-made airplanes, several French men of war, and over $60 million worth of gold. If the French cooperation with Nazi Germany goes beyond the economic political limits, and there can be no doubt that it will, since France has very little in those fields that Hitler's regime would consider a vital necessity, Martinique will have to be occupied either by a United States or other American force. And such a move, as is quite clear, is not the result of any aggressive policy on the part of the United States or another American nation, but merely the after-effect of a totalitarian threat. It is quite evident by now that all present efforts made by the totalitarian powers are openly directed against the United States and indirectly against the other American republics. All the violent protestations made by the Axis Propaganda Ministry, to the contrary, are just so much smoke released to screen the real and deadly fear the Axis lineup has of an American, or rather a Pan-American intervention. Any move of the United States would be followed by at least 18 of the other American sister republics. The two exceptions will be discussed at a later date. Now, such a joint action, apart from its material importance, would have a tremendous moral repercussion, not only in Nazi Germany and fascist Italy, but also in every single one of the European countries now living under the heels of their Nazi conquerors. The material importance would be twofold. First, it would mean genuine, all-out aid to Great Britain and all other countries which decide to fight and resist an Axis aggression. Based upon the entire resources of the Western Hemisphere, industrial, economic, and natural resources, such material aid would soon reach proportions far beyond anything we or the totalitarian powers dare to think of. But, secondly, it would mean the end to one of the most important sources of revenue for totalitarian propaganda abroad. In case of a joint Pan-American action against the totalitarian axis, Nazi Germany and her axis partners would face the loss by seizure and outright confiscation of all their investments, ships, airplanes, industrial plants and patents, mines and plantations, newspapers, and so-called diplomatic missions, which, as is well known, are nothing else but an endless chain of Nazi spy and propaganda organizations. Nazi Germany, of course, cannot afford to lose all that. At present, Hitler has taken everything the Washington administration has seen fit to do or say with reference to the totalitarian axis. But the Nazis simply cannot afford to lose their diplomatic representations in this country. 
Why, I shall tell you in a moment after we have heard a word from Neil Reagan. Frequently, the expression is heard, you can never afford to neglect your teeth when you can always afford to see Dr. Cowan. There's a great deal of meaning behind this phrase because in the highly competitive world of today, a man or woman is often judged by appearance and probably no single factor contributes a greater impression of self-respect than well-cared-for teeth, an impression that you can seldom afford to neglect. Furthermore, it isn't necessary to practice such neglect here in Southern California because almost regardless of your income or present financial condition, any one of the 12 Dr. Cowan friendly credit dental offices stands ready to assist you toward greater success by supplying good, careful, thorough dental care on time payments. These Dr. Cowan terms of payment are offered with no extra charges of any kind, purely as a means of making necessary dentistry immediately available to those who might otherwise have to endure extended dental neglect. Neglect that is always costly and often dangerous. If you would like to learn just what dentistry you need, how much such care would cost, and how you may arrange to pay for this work after you receive its benefits, call on your nearest Dr. Cowan friendly credit dental office tomorrow. There is no obligation for prices in advance, and all 12 offices are open every evening. The main address in downtown Los Angeles over the Owl Drug, 5th and Broadway. Look for the name Dr. Cowan. And now back to Robert Arden. The Nazis simply cannot afford to lose their diplomatic representations in this country or all throughout the Western Hemisphere because these pseudo-diplomatic missions procure enough money to finance all the propaganda in Central, South, and North America. They produce the information about sailing dates and cargoes of ships en route to England by posing as insurance companies. They furnish information, and very detailed information, about the progress of America's preparedness and materials ready for transshipment to England. And, what's more, they function as brain centers from which emanates the nefarious propaganda which tries to split the American people into many warring factions and thus make them vulnerable to sudden attack. The so-called Hess Mystery, which is still occupying a central spot in the day's news, is a very fine example of Nazidom's determination to undermine the American people's confidence in their government and to destroy their unity of thought and action. It has been pointed out to me by a usually well-informed source that Hess might have been the most important factor in current and future developments had it not been for one of those peculiar quirks of fate which sometimes spoil gigantic plans by minute obstacles. In the Hess case, it seems that a sprained ankle was the fatal obstacle. Hess, there can be no doubt about that, made his trip with the full knowledge and sanction of Hitler and the Nazi Big Four. No one else but the fanatically devout Hess would have been willing to undertake such an important and dangerous mission, and no one else but Hess would have carried more enthusiasm to his undertaking, which was aimed at removing the one and only factor which the Axis fears, namely American, or rather Pan-American, intervention. Hess, so I was told, apparently tried to contact the Duke of Hamilton, whom he had known for many years, believing that the Duke would be easy to convince of the futility of further bloodshed between England and Nazi Germany, and thus perhaps be easily induced to head an appeasement party in England. Now imagine the effect of a hypnotizing and dramatic appearance of Rudolf Hess, Nazi number three, at a meeting of appeasers in the Duke's Scotland castle. Then, 
there would have been little to fear from publicizing such a meeting and perhaps actually reach another Munich, or worse. Can you imagine what effect that would have had on this country? What would have happened to all the countless billions of dollars invested in war industries, all the workers who had just returned to some measure of security and prosperity, all the young men who had given up their jobs to prepare themselves for the defense of their country and its traditional democracy? Yes, indeed, every anti-Nazi, every ardent advocate of the principles of democracy, every defender of American way of living would have become a warmonger. It is almost impossible to think that, uh, that eventuality through to an end, and it must be admitted that, as a plan, that thought has great probabilities. The Nazis of all people must be given credit for being capable of hatching such a far-reaching coup which went amiss because Herr Rudolf Hess sprained his ankle and was captured by a Scotch farmer with a pitchfork before he could slip into Hamilton Castle undetected and unidentified. The Hess case, of course, is far from being closed, and any day may bring the revelation of something else. But regardless of what that information is going to be, there was a definite plan, and that plan was definitely directed against the United States. It was a supreme coup tried by the Nazi regime, only this time luck was with the democracies. And like Achilles' heel, Hesse's ankle may go down in history as another important accident. The situation on the battlefronts in the meantime is changing rapidly. The British forces have retaken Solom, the vital outpost on the Egyptian frontier. That military victory may turn out of far greater importance than appears on the surface. First, it indicates that the Axis forces, which claimed an advance of at least 40 miles into Egypt, nearly into the region of Sidi Barani, have been thrown back at least that far. And secondly, it makes any Axis attempt to break the British defenses at Tobruk less likely to succeed. At this moment, it seems as if General Wavell is beginning to test his strength, and after finding it sufficient, he may soon give the signal for a counterattack on Libya, and that will be of enormous importance, particularly in view of the sudden change in the Vichy government's attitude towards Nazi Germany. It must not be forgotten that this change was motivated directly by the fact that the Nazis were able to occupy almost all of Europe and that France could not possibly see any hope in an attempt to resist Nazi pressure. The British had retreated from Greece, and apparently they were in a bad spot in the Near East and North Africa. Now, if the British forces can repeat their successes of a few months ago, General Begin may have a chance to act on his own without having to listen to Dallon and Laval. But in the meantime, American Coast Guardsmen lost no time and took under protective custody 13 French ships in American waters, among them the superliner Normandy at her New York pier. Franco-American relations at present seem near the breaking point, and the plans to send monthly shipments of wheat to France were cancelled today. Ambassador Admiral Leahy may be recalled at any moment. It looks grim, but at least promising. Au revoir. Each evening, Monday through Friday at 7.45, America Looks Abroad with your foreign correspondent, Robert Arden. A radio feature presented over these stations by Dr. Cowan, the friendly credit dentist, whose offices offering every type of dentistry on credit terms are located in 12 communities from Ventura to San Diego, including Long Beach opposite Buffum. Until Monday evening at 7.45, may we, may we remind you that you can never afford to neglect your teeth when you can always afford to see Dr. Cowan. 
This transcribed program originated in Warner Brothers Hollywood Studios.